Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, today I have a special treat for you. You may not know, but I have other podcasts, including Walking a Spiritual Path, that I co-host with my friend Brad Miller. And I want to share one of those great episodes with you today. You know, many professionals are searching for something greater than themselves in life. Attorney Brad Miller and recovering CPA Jason Mefford are on the path exploring what it means for each of them to be a spiritual professional in an analytical, evidence-based world. So whether you're into yoga, meditation, crystals, or are merely curious about what else is out there, join us as we discuss our journeys and break the stigma around professionals who woo and the myths around what it means to be spiritual. So if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to Walking a Spiritual Path that you can find on all podcast players, YouTube, and on my website. And now, let's roll that episode. Welcome. I'm Brad Miller, and I'm here with Jason Medford today. And if I ask you, what do you do? Or if I ask you to tell me about yourself, what's the very first thing you do? Well, my guess is it probably goes to your profession. So I know for a lot of lawyers that if I go up to one and say, hey, you know, I introduce myself, you know, what do you do? You know, tell me about yourself. Almost invariably, the very first thing that I hear is I'm a lawyer. You know, maybe it's I do family law or I am a corporate lawyer or, you know, whatever kind of law they practice. But it's it's I'm a lawyer. Um, and, and that's because that's what most lawyers, I think, our identity, our primary primary identity revolves around what we do, our profession. Yep. Um, and I'm sure it's probably the same way for accountants as well. Well, it, and it is, I think, for a lot of different professions, right? Because that's yeah. what, I mean, that, that that's a common question, right? The first time you meet somebody, so Brad, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Or what do you do for a living? That's almost the first question that somebody asks you. And so I think from a society perspective, there's a lot of that kind of wrap, wrapped up into it. I'm a doctor, I'm an engineer, I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, you know, we wanted, we wanted to talk about this because there's a lot of, uh, I mean, this is something both of us are, are, are working through, right? Not struggling, mm-hmm. but we're working through it yep. on, on our identity, right? And I, and I think, too, around attachment to our identities, right? Because, again, I think a lot of times when, when people use the word attachment, you know, like you said, it's like, I love this pen. I'm attached to this pen. If I lose this pen, then I'm going to be so sad, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we often think about attachment only related to like like physical objects, tangible things, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, a lot of people will be like, "Well, I'm not attached to this pen. If I if I never see this pen again, it's okay. I love this pen, but I'm not attached to it, right?" But the thing you can't get away from is you and your identity. And I think that, you know, so much of the time, especially for those of us that have been trained as profession, professionals, so much of our identity is wrapped up in what we do, that if we no longer did what we were trained to do, who are we? 
right and it and it becomes this real identity crisis right yep. for 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 lack of a better word it's like look i've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting trained to be whatever and now all of a sudden i feel like i need to be an underwater basket weaver right <laughs> i don't know right i just made that up and i'm not i'm not going to become that but that i know but but, but you could um, be though i think you do very well with that I, I probably could do very well with that right but it but it's interesting because i was actually having this is a real life conversation with somebody who you know has been in one of my coaching groups before uh she got out she's moved jobs a couple of times and she kind of came back to me and is like okay uh i need help and i realize i'm the problem and i'm like oh you finally you finally figured that out. Okay. Right. So let's, here's how, here's how we work together. Right. So we're going through right mm -hmm. now on, on whether she's going to actually get the help or not, but with, with her, uh, you know, just to share this experience of, of somebody else, but, but this is true for me and we can share more about us as well, but you know, she was, she's the kind of person who she had a great executive job but she felt disenfranchised. She quit the job, moved to another place. She was at the other place for six to nine months. She felt disenfranchised, quit, moved to the next place, right? So three different positions within about a year and a half. Now, what was, what was the problem, right? It wasn't that the companies were mean to her. It wasn't that, you know, all of these kinds of things, ultimately it came back to not, not the money, not anything else, but her need for uh, the external validation and praise of her employer for who she was as a professional. Because her whole identity was wrapped up in her profession. And if she wasn't getting ego stroked in her position, right, she doesn't have enough self-love for herself to uh, not rely on that, right? That's an identity issue, right? Because as long as from an identity standpoint, she always identifies as this smart, professional, you know, highly intelligent, highly capable uh, woman in the corporate world, as long as that's the primary identity that she's going to attach to and feels like that has to be stroked and fed by an external source, she's going to continue to always have this problem, right? And it's the same thing, you know, with us. I mean, sometimes again, I've, I've, I've spent literally 30 years now of my life doing or kind of staying in a particular industry and i've become an international expert in some of these different things right but a lot of it doesn't light me up anymore it doesn't make me happy anymore it feels like a chore to me right and so there's a part of me that feels like retiring and just kind of moving on from the profession. I mean, come on, 30 years is pretty good in a, in a career, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's gold watch territory. That's gold watch territory. So, so you know, I could, I could move on. There's nothing wrong with it. But 
like I said, there's, there's probably still this part of my identity that I'm working through that associates with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, I'm working on it. I, I hate that question. What do you do for a living? I usually give people a vague answer, vague answer, or, you know, kind of skirt the question. Um, and so I've always not necessarily identify just as one thing. I, I identify as many different things, but I think, you know, sometimes professionally, it's hard for us to kind of give up what we had before for the uncertainty of the future. But the uncertainty of the future is probably going to be better than whatever you're giving up. Well, maybe. So I, I, we don't know for right. sure until you do it. But yeah. I don't know, Brad, have you, have you felt that same way where you, you know, it's kind of like, um, I know I felt it. And, and especially because I worked at Arthur Anderson when all this shit went down with that with Enron. And I had a huge identity crisis at that point, right? Because a lot of me in my, in my 20s of you know, who I was and how smart I was and look, I worked for the biggest, most respected accounting firm in the world. And when that fell apart, I really did have some of a crisis around that from an identity perspective. Right. And I kind of worked through that. But I, again, I'm I'm getting better at it. I'm not completely <laughs> over it, but I'm getting better at it. But I think it's, you know, it's it's about not attaching our identity to maybe what we do to make a living. Yeah, I mean, and we all have multiple park opponents or identities. So like I'm not trying to say that if you're a lawyer and account that that's your sole identity. Um, it's It's part of it. Oftentimes, it's kind of the most prevalent or kind of primary thing that we identify with um, when somebody asks that question. Um, but I've realized that, you know, I'm sure when I started out practicing that that was the same way with me, that I was like, oh, I'm a lawyer. I passed the bar exam. I'm licensed. I'm a lawyer now. All the things that goes with that, you know, fancy shirt and tie and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, going to court and helping clients and all that. But I don't know what actually happened, but I've started to realize that being a lawyer is no longer my primary identity. Like I no longer, when somebody says, you know, who are you? My first thought isn't like, you know, oh, I'm this lawyer. And that's kind of what pervasive is pervasive there. Lawyer is there is part of it. Yes. That's what I, you know, I'm licensed as a lawyer. I practice law. I help people, you know, I have a law, you know, my own law firm and all this kind of stuff. But there's other things that I've realized have kind of taken precedence or become more primary to me. Um, one of them is being a dad, mm-hmm. um, which if you would have asked me this even five or six years ago, I would have said, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, no, like, yeah, you know, a kid, you know, whatever. But I would have never have thought that this would be a big part of my identity with being as a dad, you know? And so, but I'm finding that, you know, I coach my daughter's softball team. Um, you know, we go out, we go hiking, we do things uh, together. We have daddy days when we go, south, particularly here in the summer when she's off of school. Um, I'm home with her during the summer. Like I'm the parent that's there with her and watches her during the day, um, you know, over the summer while she's off of school break, you know, and all these things, you know, she's looking to do some other activities this fall. She wants to do cheerleading and she wants mm-hmm. to do soccer. 
Um, and, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, if they need somebody to help volunteer to coach the soccer team, you know, I guess I could jump in and, and help out there. And, you know, just thinking about these things, you know, kind of in the aspect of being a dad um, and less of a lawyer. Um, and some of it may be the distance that I have from other lawyers. You know, the fact that I work from home, the fact that I don't have other lawyers that I work with routinely, I work by myself. Um, so I don't maybe have that reminder of what a lawyer might be. I don't work, do anything in court. So I don't have to worry about going to the courthouse and the judges and all the process and all the pomp that goes along with that either. Um, you know, the stuff I do is primarily online based. Like I email clients, like half the time I don't even meet my clients while I help them. Everything is done online nowadays or, you know, talk to them on the phone. And so that's been less of a identity for me that I've, you know, realizing as opposed to these other things like a dad, you know, um, or a husband. Um, or a spiritual person. No. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's interesting because as as we go through life, right? Again, it's that times and seasons sort of thing. I mean, there's there's different kind of parts of our identity that that come more front and center at at different times, right? And I know too, you know, it's like I'm a dad, but. I don't really think of myself as a dad, right? Even though I've got four kids, but I haven't talked to them in years, right? So, so I'm a dad, but my identity as a dad is not as strong, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fact that, you know, when my kids kind of quit talking to me and kind of went out of my life, at that point, right? I could have again. I, I I didn't really have it as much, but a lot of people would have had a huge identity crisis. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a dad, but how can I be a dad if my kids aren't talking to me? Right. Right. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a good dad. And I, and I did have some of that kind of go along with what's what's really a good dad and what's not a good dad sort of thing. But you know, you you see this. I see this a lot too with uh, especially women. Because so much of a lot of times women's identity is in being a mother. Mm -hmm. And when their kids get old enough and kind of leave the nest and become adults and kind of go off on their own, a lot of women have this huge identity crisis at that point where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm of, of, of no value or no use because I'm not getting to mother people like I used to. And so what is my purpose in life if my kids don't need me anymore right right um and and i think again that's where there's attachment to an identity like that because none of us are just one thing mm -hmm. we're lots of things right and at different points in our lives different parts of those identities are are going to be more important or going to be available or not available right um at the same point so it's um yeah how much are you actually attached to your identity professionally and in any other way as well right and i'm sure i'm probably if it came down to it probably more attached to the identity of being a lawyer than I realize, 
Like I'm sure if like one day was like, all right, you're going to lose that identity. You know, we're going to take your license away. You're no longer going to be a lawyer. I'm sure that I would probably feel some attachment to it. I mean, again, I've, I've, I've had that identity for the last 15 you know, plus years. Um, so that's definitely there and it's, you know, but it's not as big of a thing, I guess, anymore. It's slowly shrinking, moving back, you know, um, Well, and it's and it's interesting because you know again, I mean, the podcast is walking a spiritual path, right? And I and I think a lot of times too, right? Part of part of this path is remembering who you really are. And That's a nebulous thing, <laughs> which is a nebulous thing, but you'll understand that. Maybe we'll talk more about that in future episodes. But it's also about kind of in in some ways killing off who we were to become something new. And sometimes, you know, some of those identities are the things that end up, end up dying, which, you know, can be difficult for a lot of people. Right. But again, that's, it's, it's, it's um, part of the process. And so again, we've talked, you know, before about religion and a lot of times, you know, we're, we, we're brought in, we're indoctrinated, and oh, I'm Catholic, oh, I'm Mormon, oh, I'm Jewish, oh, I'm whatever, right? And that becomes a strong identity um, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, you know, again, where it's like, well, if you feel like you need to let that identity go, can you let it go if you need to let it go to move on to whatever uh, is next? Right. I mean, before we started recording here, I was recording episodes for another podcast and and we had a guest on who was on a spiritual path and she actually just changed her name. Right. Because, again, her her kind of Christian name that she was given when she was when she was born by her parents no longer really fit the identity of who she was to the point that she felt the need to change her name or have people refer to her in a different way right and and so again i mean attachment and identity can show up in lots of different ways but typically if you want to grow and you want to move forward usually there's certain things that we have to give up and not have attachment to in order to move forward. Yeah, no, it's the idea that for something new to be able to have to grow, you need to have something die off. You know, it's, you know, you've got a a garden to be able to have new plants in the next summer, you need to have things die off in the fall. Like you can't have them continue to survive and live or you're not gonna be able to grow anything new. Um, And so that's kind of how I kind of think about that idea that, um, you know, is it the cycle? It's the circle of life, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's the idea of, um, you know, arising and, and all these other concepts, you know, different religious, you know, take it and everything else on it. But um, can you not be so attached to whatever it is that dying that it just drags you under? Because there is something new going to be growing there. But it can't be growing there until you get rid of this other stuff. 
Um, and if you're too attached to that old stuff, it's going to be really hard um, to see it go. Well, and what's funny is, you know, again, I mean, this goes back to a lot of the indoctrination that we've been given, right? I mean, I am, I was told that my name is Jason and my family name is Mefford, right? So in this world, I am told, kind of, and I am known by the government. I mean, my passport and my driver's license and everything has Jason Mefford on it, right? As, as the identity of who I am, who this world knows me as, who the government knows me as, you know, those are the, that's the name that, you know, I, I own things in and that my licenses are in, right? But Jason Mefford is not who I am, right? That's not who I am. And so if I, if I place a bunch of attachment in that identity of even my name and, you know, here I am, middle-aged white man, right? But again, is that really who I am? No, just in this body, that's who I am. But I am so much more than this physical body, than the name that I happen to have. That's just one name that I've been known by in all these different incarnations of coming here. That's not who I am. It's who I'm known as in this life, but it's not who I am. Right. And so, again, can we can you start to kind of take attachment away from a lot of the identities that you've been given in this life? And like I said, it could be professionally. It could be, you know, family situation. You know, it can be lots of different things. It's whatever it ends up being to you. Right. But can you lose attachment even to things like identity? Or, you know. Don Juan in the, in the Carlos Castaneda books, you know, can you, can you even lose attachment to your life? Right. Sometimes that's kind of hard, right? Because a lot of us, it's like, we want to live, but this living in this life is just an illusion and it is not who we really are. And death does not really kill us. We just move on. <laughs> right. So, you know, anyway, I digress a little bit, but not really. No, so no, there you no, go. That's that's yeah. that's that's yeah. who I am. <laughs> so I guess this brings up the question then of how do you then drop your attachment to your identities? And that's the question. Like you know, we're, we don't want to become attached to our identities. How do we lose that attachment? Yeah, and again, this is the nebulous thing for another episode, but knowing yourself, right? And remembering who you really are, right? So so I've gotten to a point, and again, I won't share all the details here, but I now know that I've been here many times before, right? I've incarnated here many times before but not just here, other places. I know that I am not this body. I know that I am not my name, right? Um, but I'm still learning. 
I'm still learning, right? But I think the more that we kind of tap in and have some of these experiences of remembering who we are and knowing who we really are instead of, maybe maybe here's a more practical way for people to, to think about this, is most of your life you have been taught to like certain things, to not like certain things, to believe that things are good or that things are bad, right? Because that's what you've been taught. And, and because of that, we attach to that, right? We attach to the particular identity, right? So I was raised Mormon. So for a long time, my identity was as a Mormon, right? And then when I was no longer a Mormon, then who am I? Well, if I'm not a Mormon, what am I? Right? And a lot of times we have to kind of define what that is at that point or start stripping away a lot of these different things that we were told that we are, that we really aren't. Right. So, so as you, as you, as you think about that and realize that you are not limited by the labels that society has put on you. Right. Society would label me of saying, oh, you're a middle-aged white man with a U.S. passport who, you know, has this education, has this profession has this many kids, right? Demographics, yeah. It's, it's all the demographic kind of stuff, right? And, and as you think about it, how you are identified in this world by our culture, by our government is all demographic. But I am not the demographics, right? I might be a middle-aged white man living in a middle-aged white man body. I ain't middle-aged. <laughs> Okay. That's right. We're not middle-aged. <laughs> no, no, I'm not middle-aged. And so some of you might be going, oh yeah, because you're 29, right? No, I'm ancient, <laughs> ancient, ancient, right? But just happen to be living in a middle-aged white man body, right? But that's not, my age is not, it's a demographic, but it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. My age does not define me, right? And, and when you can start to, I think, come to that point of not allowing the demographics to control you, that's when you start to lose some of the attachment. I mean, how do you, how, how do you lose that attachment to those demographics then? Because you see, look in the mirror and you say, well, look, I am a middle-aged white man. Like that's the, that's the facade. That's what people are telling me to do. And I think, and I, you know, the, the labels of society, that's a whole nother episode or series on it really. But, you know, like how do we look at ourselves and say, well, that may be what I see, but that's not what I really am. Well, and I think that's, um, it's a little nebulous, but it's something that I have done. 
and you can do this with other people too, right? Like, I mean, it's a little harder because we're, we could still do it online like this, but if we were in person, right? I can look at Brad and I can see the same thing, right? Middle-aged white guy, right? I don't even know how tall you are, right? Because I've never seen you in person. You don't know how tall I am, right? Exactly. You're five right? nine. How did you know that? Did the I tell you that way, before? The same way that I know that your favorite color is orange. Gosh, you you listened to the other podcast when I gave out personal information. Oh my gosh, yeah, five I'll five. Nine. I'm, I'm I'm five nine. Yeah, I like color orange. I'm wearing that today. Uh, anyway, where were we going? Okay, so <laughs> I can I can look. I can look at Brad, right, and I can see again. I can come up with demographic, psychographic kinds of things about Brad, right? And again, this is, you know, what I'm seeing on the screen, I'm, I'm going to do this two different ways, right? Because I could sit here and I can look at Brad and I can say middle-aged white guy wearing a t-shirt that's kind of a reddish color, right? Has glasses, is wearing headphones, right? A little... A little getting a little sparse up top as we all do right i can say those things about brad but that is not who brad is but especially if we were in person and we got up close together and i just look i don't look i see into brad's eyes because the eyes are the seat of the soul right if we were together in close proximity, especially, and I just look into Brad's eyes deeply and feel Brad. It has nothing to do with those things I just told you about. That sounds a little. That sounds a little dirty, though. I gotta say that. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> little pinky, little yeah, pinky. Look in my eyes. You know. Uh, like yeah, like the, like the snake from Jungle Book. But no, because if you, when you start to, you can look at somebody and you can see and feel somebody, right? And again, even, even for people that, that haven't tried practicing this or aren't, you know, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. right? I can, I can look at somebody and I can judge them. I can write out all these demographic psychographics. But then I can see them and I can feel them. And I know better who they are. I know Brad has a huge heart, right? I just know that about Brad. I know he's a kind person, right? That has nothing to do with the psychographics, demographics, right? And so as we start to do that for ourselves, if we start to see ourselves, if we start to feel ourselves, we will start to understand who we really are, not just from not just from a psychographic perspective. And so that's why, you know, again, one of the we both read the love yourself like your life depends, life depends on, on it, it. Right. Book. And one of the exercises in there is the mirror work. Look yourself in the eyes and tell yourself that you love yourself. And I will tell you, if you look yourself in the eye, you will start to sense who you really are. And there's been certain times in my life when things have flashed 
before me. I've had flashes of knowing of who I've been before and, and who I kind of really am. And there are times when I feel like a fucking giant. I am a massive warrior giant. I don't feel it all the time, but I've had flashes of it. And as I'm coming to know myself better and detaching from all those psychographics and demographics of what the world tells me that I am, then I start to understand who I really am. And I'm detaching myself from this physical body, from the profession that I have had, from how many kids I've had, how many times I've been married, how much money I made last year, because none of that stuff matters in the long run. None of it matters in the long run. And so just like we can come to see and feel who other people really are, we can, we can do the same kinds of things with ourselves. It's tough because sometimes we don't want to see it. And sometimes there's shadow work and things that have to be done that we don't want to feel. But within every single one of us are an immense amount of light and love and beauty that this body hides. If you could truly see me for who I really am, if I could really see myself for who I really am, your eyes would burn out. You wouldn't be able to look at me physically. Because you're just that hot, man. I'm that hot. And it's, and it's nothing about me. That's all right. of us, all of us are that way. All of us are that way. Our physical eyes cannot physically perceive who you really are. And that's why it has to come back to the, the sensing, the feeling, the knowing, and throwing out the psycho and demographics. At least that's how I'm working. No, I, I like, I really like what you said about looking into the eyes. Um, you know, because I, I know that I have looked into other people's eyes and kind of, you kind of feel or you kind of sense something. Um, there, one, I mentioned that, you know, I coached my daughter's softball team. One of the girls on the softball team had these very bright, piercing blue eyes. And whenever I look her in the eyes, like, like, you know, I could feel something in there. So I definitely know that that's, that that's a thing, that that's something there. And then the idea of bringing it back onto yourself by looking in the mirror and looking at yourself that way to see what you actually feel. Great. I, I, that's a great exercise. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And even, I mean, it's again, it's like, don't, you don't, you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time on it, but spend 15, 30 seconds, mm -hmm. even a day on it or a minute or two or five minutes or whatever you can. But I've started to, as I've started to understand more who I am, 
I've created kind of some mantras that go along with it. And I can't share it. It wouldn't be appropriate for me to share with everybody right now if you did think I'm fucking crazy. More so than we already do. More so than you already do. Yeah. But I'm, I'm learning more who I am. And I'm reminding myself through some of the mantras, I am kind of statements of who I am. And when I say some of these things to myself, or I think them to myself, I feel that energy and I feel like I'm 20 feet tall. And so I know when I'm saying these things to myself and I'm feeling those spiritual hits and I'm feeling like I'm 20 feet tall, that what I'm saying to myself is right. It's the, it's the universe confirming to me of who I am. And it feels fucking good. It feels really good when you start doing that, right? So that's even, again, start figuring out who you are, looking yourself in the eye, start start coming up. I mean, when I did this the first time, I just took a guess. I'm like, I kind of feel like saying this. <laughs> and I did. And yeah. it felt really good. And because it felt really good, I kept saying it. And I know now that it is true. And so when I say it to myself and I remind myself, right, in those times when I feel like little tiny puny Jason, no, I'm a fucking giant. I literally am a giant. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's how I'm working through. And like I said, I first time I did it and I said it out loud, I didn't know what I was going to say. I felt awkward. I felt weird saying it mm-hmm. until I said it. And then I said it to a group of people that are, you know, in a close circle with me. And they all felt it. They're like, holy shit, Jason. <laughs> and I knew, right? I knew. And I just keep trying to remind myself about that. And again, it's not Jason. It's not the middle-aged white guy. That's not who I am. So I'm incarnated as right now, but that's not who I am. That, that's beautiful. So... Can you get rid of some of the attachments to the demographic and psychographics and start learning who we really actually are, right? Because we limit ourselves when we believe that we're something that we're not. I, I got nothing out of that. Like. Okay, well, I guess wrap episode, right? Drop it, yeah. <laughs> My no. drop wrap episode. I wasn't intending that. There we go. Right. Yeah. So, um, this was some things that are that I'd been doing to help me get past that. Well, on that note, I, I, I think, I think that's it. Like, I don't. 
like I said, I don't think there's anything else right now we could really go with that. I think that's wrap her up in a bow, send her out into the internet, inter interwebs, interwebs. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, hopefully, if you're listening to this episode, like this one's a special one. Hopefully, you guys kind of feel the same that you're getting the same kind of messages benefits whatever through this one um you know this one this one's definitely this is definitely a good one um so you know you know if if you're feeling that if you found this one if this spoke to you in some way um you know share it with somebody else because i'm sure they will this will speak to them too find something in it that yeah and maybe go back and listen to it again Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have recordings, some recordings that I listen to literally every single day. So repetition is a good thing. Yeah. As well. well so if you feel, if, if you feel like you need it again, you feel like you need to share it with other people, please do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, every time you hear something, you, you get something new out of it. You hear something different. I, I know I've done that sometimes, you know, get like a, a course or something like that, or, or just a recording of somebody. And the first time through, you're like, okay, yeah, that's great, whatever. And then you listen to it again. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's good. And then the third time you go through, you're like, was this even the first couple of times? Cause I totally didn't catch that. Um, and, and every time there's just something, you know, just more layers come out for you and something new that you need to hear at that moment. So, all right. Well, again, thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you, Jason. Um, And uh, we'll catch all you guys in the next episode. See you, everybody. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. The fact that you listened to this entire episode means you got value and others will too. Do me a favor and leave a five-star review with comments and then share with others. You can also check out all of my videos on my YouTube channel and my website, jasonmefford.com. This podcast is primarily for education and commentary and does not represent professional advice. Views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.